0: 24, and we're kicking off the first episode of the year with Jodi Amendola, CEO and founder of Amendola Communications, discussing her list of the top PR and marketing trends we'll see this year. I'm your host, Carol Flagg. Take a listen. Well, Jodi, first of all, Happy New Year to 2024, and welcome back to What's My Tagline? You were a guest uh, on the show a couple of years ago, and I'm so excited to have you back uh, to be talking about your predictions. Uh, in the PR and, uh, marketing, uh, side of things for 2024. How are you?
1: I'm great, Carol. Thank you so much, and happy new year to you. I always love talking to you. I think this is actually my third, maybe fourth time on. I, the think,
0: it's, I think it's your. I think it's your fourth time.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. So I, I'm no stranger to the show, no. yeah, and yeah. I feel very lucky that I got to spend some time with you this year at Chime, and yes. my team um, got to see you in person last week. So I'm, you know, great to be here, and thank you so much for having me. Oh, yeah, always,
0: always, always a pleasure. Uh, just just connecting and, and, and chatting with you. All right. So you know, of course, as a, as a, a semi regular guest on the show that the first question of all, uh, all my guests is if you had to describe yourself as a tagline, what would it be?
1: Yes. So I think the last time I was on your show, if I'm not mistaken, I described myself as the connector because at the heart of of who I am, I am a networker. I have built my business, which by the way, Carol is in its 20th year. We had our 20th wow. anniversary this year. Yeah. Um, on networking. I mean, I have met people in the strangest places from airplanes, elevators, trade shows, you name it. But you know that connection that i make with people is more than just closing business because well let me let me i'll get into that in a second but that that connection that i make with folks is really helping people I've helped former clients. I help clients with their strategic investments, with um, advice, counsel, partnerships, jobs, you name it. So I got a note on LinkedIn from one of my former clients that said her bright spot was um, having me help her in 2023 trying to find a job. Oh! Uh, I got a note uh, yesterday from a former client saying, hey, I have this phenomenal interview I need. I really want to go in with a couple of media opportunities. Can you help me get them? And, and I made that happen. But I want to take it one step further with my tagline for this show and say that my team calls me the closer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you laugh, but it's especially important. I know they call you that. <laughs> they do. Um, it was especially important during COVID years, which were so difficult and tumultuous. But I actually will tell you that last year was probably one of the worst <laughs> years and the craziest, strangest years that I've ever had in 30 years in, in health IT. So, you know, it's the closer that, again, like not only bringing in business because they say that a sale without a heart is just a transaction. And, and that's not me, um, because as I said, I'm a connector. But I also value all of the repeat business that we have and the clients that we have. And I help them to close their deals, to close on investments, to help them take advantage of timely PR and media opportunities, give them ideas and strategies and insights to help them advance their business. So today, my, my schedule after this podcast is I have three calls with, with clients. Um, so that's my tagline.
0: The closer. I love that. Because, you know, I it really, you know, I've known, um, haven't known you for 20 years, but I've known you for many years and, and your entire team. And I know they call you the closer. And, and again, for a lot of different, you know, not just, you know, closing a particular, you know, contact related PR, but really cl- closing the loop, right? It's, yes. you know, it's love a that. big, it's a bigger circle of closing mm-hmm. that we're talking about here.
1: I love that. Thank you for, for clarifying that.
0: Yeah, a big loop, a big circle. All right. So Ms. Closer, Ms. Closer. So uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about 2024. I recently read um, some predictions that you put out there uh, and grabbed the info from, from LinkedIn. And I was intrigued by what you had to say, uh, what you see coming down the pike uh, in the PR and, and, and marketing arena uh, this year. Yeah. So I'd love to start with that.
1: Sure. Um, you know, just to level set, like I said, last year was a pretty tumultuous year. Yeah. Um, health systems just, you know, struggled financially as they were recovering from the pandemic and rising labor costs and workforce shortages. Um And while there have been some signs of financial stabilization in 2023, there were also a lot of consolidations, um, both vertically with hospitals and insurers buying practices and then horizontally with systems merging like Kaiser and Geisinger. Um, and that's you know, trickled down to our clients who are the healthcare IT vendors for the most part. Um, marketing dollars were tight, investment in HIT and other technology was limited, and I do think that we will see more of that. With that said, there were some glimmers of hope. Um, you know, some of our clients, their marketing budgets really went up, others went down. So it was kind of um. You know, like they say like Seinfeld, everything kind of evens out. Um, so I saw I saw a little bit of both. Um, and I was honestly, Carol, uh, Q4 was so strong for us with so much activity. I was working 12 hour days. I literally couldn't keep up. Things have simmered down this month. And maybe that's you know, just the start of the the new year. Um, you know, folks are gearing up for trade show season, right? We have we typically, have a good 2022 20, 25 clients at HIMS, Health, and Vive. And so now uh, we're working on Vive and, and HIMS for clients. So uh, I'm not sure how 2024 is going to shake out, but I can tell you that folks are still cautious.
0: Yeah, Canada.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they're just, you know, budgets are still constrained a bit. And so we have to pivot our PR and marketing programs because the landscape has changed a lot. Um, for example, in PR, you know, years ago, you used to have that spray and pray approach. That doesn't work anymore. And, you know, just having great relationships with the media that doesn't work anymore either. Right, right. You really have to have great storytelling. That's at the heart of anything you do in PR and marketing. And so infusing the narrative with great storytelling, Knowing your audience and how to engage them, focusing on their pain points and the topics that resonate for them, um, providing, you know, key insights, um, that's, that's really important. And I always tell my clients, you have to hit folks through multiple touch points. It's not just about a PR program or a LinkedIn program or, or attending trade shows or, or your lead gen and digital marketing activities. Everything has to work uh, simultaneously together.
0: Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying as far as sort of, you know, the tentativeness as twenty twenty four has started with companies looking to spend marketing dollars but being very judicious on yes. uh what they're what they're picking. And you're and this is a great segue into uh the first thing we want to talk about, I'd like to talk about, which is conferences as we head into yeah. live and hymns, obviously two of the largest, if not the largest, um, mm-hmm health IT mm-hmm. conferences in our industry. And you talk about, uh, from a prediction standpoint, this idea of really maximizing these conferences, boost networking and even virtual events, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so from that perspective, what more can clients and exhibitors do to get the most out of the mm-hmm. dollars that they're spending on these events?
1: Yes. So I always tell my clients, no matter what event you're attending, whether you're attending it because you're an exhibitor or you're attending it just to network, make sure that at least one to two months in advance, you reach out to folks and set up your calendar. When I go into a trade show, I am book solid every half hour on the half hour. I don't even get potty breaks, um, but that's that's key to really maximizing, you know, nowhere. Um, the folks you want to meet are their booths are so that you can go have a look, see, know the events you want to go to at night. Because honestly, I don't know why this happens, but literally every event you want to attend is going to be at the same time from six yeah. to seven yeah. on the same night. You know, that's just how it works. So try to make sure that you can maybe hit each one that you want for a half hour versus, you know, only going to one or two. Um, but plan that all out in advance. That's number one. Um, number two. Video is a great, trade shows are a great time to capture some videos at events, whether it's of you, whether it's of your clients, but you can leverage them for testimonials or for vlogs of executives. There are other things you can do at events besides spending a lot of money on booths so you can have a breakfast or a dinner that you prearrange with your top-tier prospects or top tier clients. It's a great way to say thank you. It's a great way to meet in person, to network. So those are the the big things I think that I that I tell my clients. Yeah. yeah. And also to know that you know events are a great way to generate content. So in addition to right. the big events like we talk about there are also user group events. So we have one coming up for one of our clients and we have one of our team members that will go on site to the event and report on the event. And that can generate, you know, six months worth of content, meeting with execs in addition to the actual presenters at the event.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Creating long, creating that long tail content for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. You mentioned video and so, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to actually talk about that as well as one of your, one of your predictions. So obviously video, um, and YouTube is, you know, it's never been probably as big as it is right now. This increased focus on video that, that, um, it, why it made your list. Is this a reflection of, of TikTok and social media or is it just, you know, because People just want video, you know. I mean, it 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 (laughs) is easy to easy. It is easy to digest. It's easier to watch on a phone and all
1: of that. I honestly think it's a combination of both. So everybody these days is on social media and watching, you know, short little snippets of video. So it's what we've become accustomed to. I mean, gosh, I'll. I don't even open a recipe book anymore, right? If I want to make something, I just go and look online and, and quickly get a, a video. So that's kind of the way our world works now. Um, and we're all so busy. We live in this digital world and we are always on call and always available and accessible. And so to be able to just see a quick, short 30 to second video, you can convey huge amounts of information in a very short amount of time. Um, what I also like about video is you can show your personality, you can be authentic, or yeah. you can be educational. Um, so it's great for testimonials, but it's great for product overviews. Um, you can animate them, but you can connect with your brand on an emotional level. Um, and then... Like I tell everybody, repurpose, repurpose, repurpose. Right, so you can leverage your video on social. You can use it for lead gen, um, and the other thing I love about video, Carol, is that it improves SEO. Right, um, right. right, better search ranking. So. Um, it's definitely grown in popularity for both of the reasons that you identified. But I, I just think that people just don't have the patience these days in general to read a 10 page white paper. It doesn't mean that we still don't do them. Um, we're just finishing up one and I have a call on Monday to talk about starting another one. But for the most part, people want short snippets of content. Yeah. You want the infographics, the visual, um, you know, short, easy, even an e- ebook is easier to digest, uh, you know, you could break into short chapters.
0: Right, right. I, I think it's interesting, this point that, uh, you know, with video sort of fits in with really culturally, you know, how, mm-hmm. how we operate in a society, a lot of that has to do with the smartphone, right? You know, Absolutely. But, this, but in social media, but you know, this idea of like, if I can get an understanding or a glimpse in, into who you are mm-hmm. quickly, then that that that's the path of least resistance for me, which leads into that y- y- your prediction about shorter digestible content. I'm I'm sure you, I'm, you're not just talking about video, uh, but correct talk I'm- about about that prediction, what well, you know, w- what that means, how much shorter should it get, and <laughs> are we just talking about
1: video? right no i mean i think even blog posts like i said ebooks infographics i think are huge because you can show data you can just show things by the numbers and it's just a quick snapshot which people like to see i'm also encouraging folks to do issue briefs which are like two page uh authoritative papers versus a six to eight to ten page white paper Mm. Um, So I think there's just lots of alternative types of content. Even the thought leader articles that we write these days are typically 750 words, 1,000, 1,200 tops um, where, you know, years ago it started at 1,500 and went up. Right.
0: That was like the Google barometer was 1,500 words.
1: Yeah. I think people just have less patience, less tolerance, and less time.
0: Yeah. Hard at it. Again, I always say, look to your smartphone. Are you going to mm. read a 15 to 2000 word article on your, on your iPhone?
1: <laughs> exactly right. That's, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: so speaking about content, I'd like to Mm-hmm. move on to your AI is here to stay, but regs are coming hopefully okay. soon. Let's talk about AI. And I, I, I don't think we can have a conversation uh, about, about AI and gener- generative AI, I think is what we're talking about here, mm-hmm. uh, without talking about the chat GPT side of this and that impact on content.
1: So uh, let me just say, I mean, AI and healthcare is amazing, right? I mean, our clients... Uh, have moved the dial with diagnostics. Um, Hopefully in 2024, we're moving more to predictive health and personalized medicine. Um, I read a stat just last week that radiologists is the strongest field for AI applications. So, I mean, I think it's amazing. And AI has had uh, an enormous impact on HIT marketing um, and marketing in general, we, as an agency, use it as a tool for research, um, for ideation, for facilitating the writing thought process, but it's not a substitute for human creativity. And there are pitfalls and downfalls that you need to be aware of. And I do think that regs uh, will really help um, because, you know, who wants to be accused of plagiarism? Uh, right. Right. I mean, that's you know, Yeah. And you know, AI, well, it, it it has great information. It's not always accurate. And that could get you in trouble. And it may not always be uh, up to the latest and greatest, um, having the right source material. So um, I've often also read that it hallucinates, it, it, it makes mistakes and errors. Um, and so, you know, you don't want to be associated with that. And with the type of content that We're writing about um, healthcare, healthcare IT. um, You really have to understand that content. And so there's nothing that could really take the place of a human writer who can not only digest the information, but infuse that creativity that our clients are looking for. Yeah. Talk about
0: hallucinating. All I can think about is how, how 2000 is. two thousand one space Odyssey. Oh yeah. There are probably people listening in who are like, oh my God, that movie's so old. But but, that's
1: well, I also think, you know, it yes, it can write an article, but it would also be kind of more ho hum. Um so we want we want that writing with a with that socks a punch. Yeah. Um, So Yeah. Well, you,
0: we get, you know, we obviously get editorial submissions and, um, <laughs> we get that and, and our team can tell, can tell immediately mm-hmm. that it has mostly been written by, by generative AI. You know, it just, it, it, it is a, it is a, a lack of personality that comes through that's really, Exactly. That's really obvious.
1: Exactly. Like I was gonna say, we often use analogies. Um, we use the end user. So like I said, you know, at the beginning, how important storytelling is, you're not gonna be able to tell the story using generative AI. You're right. not gonna have that that unique personalization um, and insights, which which is what our audiences crave.
0: Yeah, and yes, gets back to your previous timeline as a connector. I mean, I think making connections. And I think that connection includes content, whether it's video or podcasts or radio that we do or or articles, you still have to connect with the audience that's consuming it. And, uh, you know, if the AI is, it's too, if it's too heavy or prevalent in that content, you're going to have a tough time doing that.
1: Absolutely. And honestly, one of the best ways to um, leverage content and uh, build your brand and thought leadership and personality is through LinkedIn. And that yeah. was my, one of my predictions. And I think one of the most valuable tools that we have today in, in marketing and marketing healthcare and healthcare technology, because you can really build your brand on, on LinkedIn and be posting on a regular basis and provide that relevant educational information, but also unique storytelling that helps drive engagement and and build, build your execs' thought leaders and build your company's personality. So I, I personally am I'm a big, big LinkedIn fan. And um, we've seen a huge shift in the last couple of years of clients who whenever they, I, I barely ever have a client just sign on for a PR program. It's almost always in conjunction with a content program that leverages LinkedIn.
0: Yeah. Yeah, when well, that was on yours too, that on LinkedIn, and I think it, it's really interesting with LinkedIn, especially with the changes that have have occurred over at X, which of course formerly known as Twitter, that you know more and more companies are spending less time. Yeah. These are the companies that I know, and us included, less time doing organic posts on on um, on X. Uh, because the value is just no longer there with the changes that they've made and spending more time doing organic posting on LinkedIn?
1: 1,000%. And I think on LinkedIn, it's quality over quantity. It's following best practices. Um, It's not only talking about your own company's initiatives. We like to follow the 80-20 rule, where it's 80% about thought leadership and 20% about your conferences, your initiatives, your awards, and things like that. I love it because you can show appreciation to people who influenced your journey. You could share customer testimonials. You could give career advice, lessons learned. You could do a poll. You could ask questions. You could share a surprising fact. You could present a challenge. So you can spark an industry conversation. And I think um, a lot of it is drawing people in with a great graphic. So uh, it, it's, you know, especially helpful when you're trying to build momentum before a trade show, like we talked about before, you know, now leading up to Vive and Hymns um, would be super important to have that steady cadence of, of LinkedIn activity. And then even at the show, you could do, you know, uh, posts from the show and then post after sh- the show again on, on Lessons Learned. Right. Right.
0: Uh, interesting
1: to, you know, one
0: of, your, one of your other topics and trends is key in on customer champions. And, you know, this is a good segue as well, because LinkedIn is actually a great environment to do that. I mean, there are other ways as well, but certainly LinkedIn could be a starting point or a continual process for keying in on those customers who are your real champions.
1: Absolutely. There's nothing that tells a story better than the actual end user, right? I mean, hospitals wanna hear what other hospitals have to say, doctors wanna hear what other doctors say, payers wanna see what other payers are doing. They don't care about what the vendor says about their own specific product or services. Right? End user can show how did this technology solve my pain point? How do we um, improve efficiencies, decrease costs, you know, all of the things that matter. To clients, right, right. So the last item on this list, and then we're gonna
0: we're gonna chat a little bit more because uh, I'm sure there are others. But but this is interesting. Uptick in rebranding is here to say we did see a lot of rebranding <laughs> over the last few years. Started with COVID, and it never really stopped. 100%. But you see it as a continuation.
1: I do. I do. We had a lot of uh, messaging and rebranding this past year. We had everything from name changes. Um, we had, uh, we had one client who had been impacted by industry legislation and so needed a, a complete uh, new messaging and branding lift. Uh, we also had clients who had layoffs and needed some communications messaging um, to avoid being in the media, which is kind of the opposite of what we typically do. <laughs> That's, um, That's right? <laughs> um We had one client in value-based care who had very complicated, uh, multiple business lines and wanted a totally new look and feel as well as new messaging to delineate what they do and how they do it. Um, and, you know, on top of after doing the messaging, then we also developed the pieces that leverage the new messaging that they can then use for their constituents. Um, and we're getting ready now to launch a, a rebrand of a client in, in February that, you um, acquired another company and um, now, you know, the two entities have merged and and how that uh, will transcend into 2024 and impact their, their clients and their offerings. So I definitely think that um, we will see more of that in 2024. Yeah, totally, totally agree. So Judy,
0: as we, it, time always goes by so fast with you, but as we, as we wind down our conversation, I'd like you to look into your 2024 crystal ball one more time and pull out one last nugget, one last trend, uh, that wasn't on this list, uh, that you shared with me, uh, for 2024.
1: Sure. Um, I think, you know, I continually and not just because I'm, uh, you know, we are a full service agency, but PR has always been our bread and butter. But PR gives you the biggest bang for the buck and it helps to build credibility and thought leadership. So I think PR will become even more important for brands that are trying to, you know, navigate in a very crowded, noisy market marketplace and a, a you know tumultuous year. So having that consistent ongoing share of voice to rise above the noise and stay on brand I think will be continually important and um, I think that clients who have those end users that we talked about um, that they can leverage will be uh, a big competitive differentiator and clients that also have any industry um, any unique data, that they can um, share it will also help them differentiate themselves and succeed.
0: Yeah, that's great. Jodi, as always, such a pleasure talking with you. And I look forward to the next time that I have you on the show. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Carol. Love talking to you and uh, look forward to hopefully seeing you soon. You got it, thanks.
0: You can learn more about Jody Amendola at acmarketingpr.com. Be sure to connect and follow her on LinkedIn. You can learn more about this show on the program page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please connect and engage with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, I want to know, what's your tagline?